Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Most of you know who I am, but I'm supposed to say my name. So I'm Barbara Sanofsky. I'm one of the three pastors here at LBCF. And I got to really begin by saying I'm the only one left standing because we have a COVID emergency on our pastoral lead team. So, um, yeah, we were all in a meeting together last Tuesday evening. And one of the people in that meeting uh, let us know the next morning that he had tested positive for COVID. And so of the all of the other people that were in that meeting, three others got ill. So very, very sad. And Danny was one, and his, it was his, his morning to teach. How rude, Pastor Danny. Just throw it away like that. And you get to lay in bed. Well, I have to say something about the Bible. Luckily, I love the Bible. Luckily, I have lots of words that live inside of me. So it isn't too difficult of a proposition. But, yeah, we're going to continue in the parables. And we're actually going to go to a couple that weren't on our original list. But it feels really, really right for this morning. So um, I think I want to ask a question of each and every one of you. I want to ask you, what have you lost? Yeah, think about it. What, what have you lost lately? Maybe you lost something a long time ago and you've just never gotten over it. Loss something we don't often talk about because we live in a be positive society that's always asking us to be grateful and thankful. And you know what? I, I really believe all of that. And actually, my blood type is be positive, so I have no choice. I blame it on the blood. Um, and there have been losses. And I know one of the losses, is, I, is just as I was thinking about this, is one of the losses for me is that um, through COVID, just there's been relational losses. Uh, COVID brought up something really interesting, I think, in our society, in our world. Um, first of all, I think, it, I think there was a realization that we, uh, we couldn't be as confident about life as maybe we had been before this pandemic hit all of us. And then there's been this sense of what is true, what is real, what's happening, people taking different camps, trusting different sources, and there's been losses. And I know that I've lost, I know that I have, for sure there's a distance between my sister and I, and she's my only sister, mainly just because we disagree on so many things. And I don't, want, I don't want to overtly disagree with her because I love her. And I choose relationship with her over being right or wrong because guess what, you guys? I don't know if what I believe is right, which is a very interesting place to find myself because it um, feels way more confident when we are able to say, hey, I'm, I'm right about this. Well, I'm just here to tell you that I don't know if I'm right. But I need to continue in the journey that I believe God has me on and, um, you know, hold the opinions that I hold, but never at the expense of relationship with someone I love. 
So what's happened for my sister and I is that we've stepped away from each other for the sake of love because we do disagree. And that's been a loss. And so we're going to look at two parables about loss together today. And they actually culminate in a parable about loss that Pastor Ryan taught on, and that's the prodigal son, the loss of a child, but also the finding of a child. Today we're going to talk about shepherds and sheep, and we're going to talk about a woman and coins. And Jesus is such an interesting guy. So remember um, that we're basically looking at the parables in the book of Luke. Remember also that um, where we are right now in the parables, Jesus is already in Jerusalem for that last week. He is getting ready to go to the cross. And as the God-man, fully man, fully God, he must have been in all sorts of emotional turmoil and yet able to be obedient unto death, which is such a crazy thing when I think about it. So as Jesus is uh, in Jerusalem and it's this last week, he's taking, I would imagine, every opportunity to share with all the people that will listen what he believes because it's important to him. He knows he's here for a reason. And so he's sharing now. And for these two parables that we're going to be reading together in just a minute, um, he's basically speaking to the Pharisees and to his disciples. They are very, very critical of him. And yeah, we can put those slides up and we can start reading those parables. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Notice how this actually parallels the story of the prodigal son because the 99 that are righteous kind of signify the older brother. I was here. I did it all right. This is not accidental from Jesus' point of view. He's making his point multiple times. Also, when he talks about a shepherd and his sheep, first of all, who were the shepherds at the time of Jesus? They were the lowest of the lows. They were, I want to say they were the trash collectors, but trash collectors aren't low. But maybe the people that sift through the trash to see what they could find in the trash that maybe they could sell. You, you know, you've seen those people. Their hands aren't always very clean. And maybe their faces aren't either. 
And it's hard for us to look at them sometimes. It makes us uncomfortable. And that's who the shepherds were. They were very involved with animals, and they didn't smell very good. And when they came into town, most of the people that lived in the town pretty much avoided them. Shepherds were outcasts. But here in this parable, the shepherd plays the role of God. And it's the shepherd that looks for his lost sheep. It's the shepherd who looks for and finds what is lost. Also, there's some real foolishness that goes on here. I mean, I've sung these songs. I've heard this story a million times. Maybe I've never considered it the way that I'm wanting to have you and I consider it together this morning, which is that it was really foolish to leave the 99. Isn't there a proverb that goes, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush? Well, then why would we leave 99 to find one? That makes no sense. I have 99 sheep. Isn't that enough? Well, God the shepherd says no. It's not enough. So what have you lost lately that needs to be found? Where do we? Where can we? Trust God that not only will he find what was lost, that he will actually restore lost things. The second parable is a little bit different, and it's very much the same. And there's a point in this first parable that I haven't gotten to, but I want to read the second one first. So this is the parable of the lost coin. So next slide. Nope. There it is. Thank you very much. Or suppose a woman (laughs) has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Okay, first God was a shepherd. Now God is a woman. And I talked last week um, when I talked about the widow and the unrighteous judge about really the place of women in biblical times. And it was low. It was was low from a um, religious point of view. Women were not the ones who went to court for sure. They were not the ones that had a voice. And yet here Jesus elevates again. He's in Jerusalem on his way to die. He elevates once again a woman and tells a story, this beautiful parable, about the woman God who looks for a coin. Now the Pharisees were really expecting that he would talk about repentance here. But notice he doesn't talk about repentance except for those last taglines, which if you were actually to look at the commentators, were probably added by scribes. Notice that he didn't ask the prodigal son to repent, even though he threw himself on the mercy of his father. But there was no request made. He was just given the party. 
That's the part that's missing in both of these stories. It's because in both of these stories, there's a party that happens afterwards. So we are the people of the celebration. Do you ever call yourself that? I'm a Christian, and I am a person of celebration. I get to celebrate because God finds what I've lost. Last week we also talked about, so yeah, both of, these, both of these stories, both of these parables talk about what happens when you find what you've lost. You celebrate. One of the things that Danny wanted to do this morning, and I'm going to join him in that, is that we do really want you guys to talk to us more than us just standing here and talking to you. And I set up last week, and I'm going to do it again, what we did in our Mark Bible study. And that is that we read the passage together, and then we asked questions. So I'm wondering, I'm going to give you a couple minutes again to think about some questions that you might have about these parables, some questions that you might have even about losses, about celebrating, about, Barbara, why did you say that Jesus said that God was a woman? You know, just whatever question is coming up for you. Write that down, and let's talk about it together. Okay, it's 9.37 in 24 seconds, so we're going to come back together at 9.40. So right now, write down some questions, and then we'll have a runner carry a mic to you. So the questions can be historical, maybe context of the story. They can be theological. And they can be applicable. What is the application to your life? What does this story mean for you? What have you lost that you would like found? Maybe it's your joy. I have a lot of examples of what we could lose, but okay, I'll stop talking. While you guys are writing down questions, I'm not going to stop talking because there's just a couple of other things that I want to say. I want to talk about the Pharisees and their grumbling. And that was, that's actually so similar for all of us as people. And if we go to the Old Testament and we think about the Hebrews uh, being um, brought into freedom by Moses out of Egypt, all they did in the desert was grumble. God, why, why don't I get fried chicken? Why do I have to eat manna every day? Why not fried chicken? So we are kind of a people who grumble, and I, I think whether we're religious or whether we're shepherds, we are a grumbling people. And then also what they were accusing Jesus of was not just associating with people that the religious considered sinful, but they were also accusing him of eating with them. And table fellowship in that day meant total, absolute acceptance. It was, t you, were, you were in. If you were invited to the table, you were totally in. There was not a thing wrong with you. So that absolute acceptance of sinners was making these religious people really, really nervous. Kind of like it does us today. I already talked about the foolishness of leaving 99 to go after one. And then 
I just want you to think about who can and who can't repent and what repentance really means. And what was the invitation here? It was because the invitation was to be found. And the word repentance actually just means to turn around. Coins can't repent, and neither can sheep. Okay, who's got a question? I have a runner who's got a question. No question. I just want to comment. You know, if we just make this a little, slice it a little thinner, and we think about leaving 99 to go after one, and I think about, I know you guys have all heard me say this, Mary tells the kids every single day, you're loved and chosen by God. But out on the patio, people will know they're loved and chosen by God if they're loved and chosen by us. And same in our neighborhood. And sometimes the leaving the 99 looks like walking away from the people we know really well and walking across to chat with someone we don't know to show them, hey, you're here, and I'm glad, and I choose you. And I don't want to get hung up on the 99 part of that. Because I think what the Lord's telling us is to, like, have an attitude of, yay, you're here. Yay, I want to get to know you. Yay, you're chosen. You're chosen by God and you're chosen by me. And that is the prayer of my heart every day. Like, how can we, how can I do that? How can we do that? How do we communicate that to one another? I don't know. It looks different for all of us, but I know what it looks like for me. Thank you, Mary. That, I'm going to call that. A wonderful, beautiful, loving rebuke that we should listen to. Thank you so much. And that is, that is one of your beautiful gifts, Mary, the way that you see us. Thank you. Okay, questions. What have you lost? Well, we have a question up front. Two. My question has to do with the difference between the sheep. Like, a sheep could leave and could go find it, but... To lose a coin, like she lost the coin. The coin didn't get up and go anywhere. So just what that means and what Jesus is trying to communicate, that's a question I have. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to answer your question with a question, which is very Jewish, by the way. So did the sheep leave the shepherd or did the shepherd leave the sheep? Did the coin fall to the floor, or did the widow misplace the coin? I don't have an answer for that. And, and that's the way that I'm going to answer your question. This is, I don't know. I don't think that there's a significance in a coin maybe rolling under the bed or, you know, it being dropped, whether we realize that we dropped it or not or whether we, at the end of the night, count our sheep and we find that there's one missing. In terms of the repentance part, because, like, all the other lost things had a volition to go. Like, was it the sheep that lost the shepherd or shepherd lost the sheep? We don't know, but the sheep could go, and the son did go, but the coin, I don't know, it's different. 
yeah, except I'm going to put the sheep in the coin category. That even though the sheep has legs and is alive and can walk away, it doesn't really have the ability to repent. In the same way that the coin doesn't. And yet, God, in the guise of shepherd or woman, looks for those things anyway. Questions? Comments? Okay, we've got one over here. I'll stand? I'll stand. Uh, is it worth considering maybe that... Um, sort of the divine plan uh, requires loss mm. in order to be found. So, if, you know, in sort of like a, maybe like a yin and yang kind of a thing, um, in order to be found, you have to be lost first. And in order to rise, you have to fall first. And in order to be reborn, you have to be crucified. That's great. Wish I'd said that. Yeah. I really, I really like that, I, and uh, that's perfect. And, and it's a really beautiful thing to ponder when we consider that the next story is the prodigal son. Yeah. And notice who needs to repent, though, in both places. There's the one who knows that what he's done has not served him well, which yeah. is the prodigal son. But there's also an older son who sees no need to repent. Yeah. What, what have you done with my talents? You sat on it yeah. and did nothing. You, yeah. There's no value in being stationary. You have to go out and fail in order to succeed kind of a thing. Yeah. So there's something really beautiful in knowing that I'm lost. Yes. Uh, you need a mic. Thank you so much. And I don't know you, and I'm Barbara. I know this guy. <laughs> I just think that we're all lost, whether we think we're like the older son or, or that uh, did what his father, what he thought was required, or the prodigal went away. They were both lost, and they both needed to repent. Well, how, how are you going to place that in the theology of a coin and a sheep? That's your job. Okay, this is why I've been married to this man for 37 years. Um, I was thinking before he even said anything about the sheep, and you said they don't need to repent. I don't know. I think if the sheep is lost and it goes, oh, man, crap, where am I? I don't know what to do. I think that's a form of, like, being lost and realizing you're lost. Yeah, you need to turn. You, and the sheep can't find its way back. So the shepherd has to go find him. I always like when I walk down the road and I hear a sheep saying crap, by the way. <laughs> that was, it's always good. But yeah, I mean, this is all good stuff, right? This is the way, guys, that we wrestle with scripture. We get to just consider. And we don't always have to know the answer. And even when we consider something, maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is wanting us to consider, and maybe that is 
where we actually learn about the character of God in ways that we couldn't if we just took everything as, oh, that story. You know that story about the lost sheep that I've heard a thousand times, and I sing that song, and what does it mean to me? I don't know. It means that one was lost and now one is found, as opposed to do sheep repent? <laughs> do the, does a sheep know when it's lost? Gabby thinks so. I'm, I'm going to take Gabby's side. I think so, too. I think a sheep would go, ah, there's a guy who normally pets me, and he's missing. You have a question. Josie has a question. Oh, oh we had someone else first? Great. Um, my words aren't as eloquent, I don't think, as others who have spoken, but um, I have a question, and it's really messy, so my words are messy. Um, I recently lost the church that I was walking with prior to coming here. Um, and the way that I experienced the narrative is that I was the one, right? I, I was the queer person in a really conservative church, and um, I was asked to leave. I don't know if, the, if that was loss. I don't, know, I don't know if I was the lamb that was left or if I was the lamb that walked away. But that's definitely loss. Um, and now that I'm here, I do feel, uh, I suppose, like being brought back in, right, to the, to the flock as the one who was lost. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's how my, my heart narrates it right now. And the question that I, that is on my heart is, you know, how do I, as that one, how do I re-embrace the 99? I do love the 99, the people who never left, you know, who are, like the parable says, were always walking in the, in the direction that was seen as right and righteous. And um, I fear loss of any of us. You know, I fear the loss of of any um, and so I guess my struggle at this point is you know how do we from either of those positions embrace each other and not lose each other is it possible maybe loss is just part of the the thing that we're called into right um yeah, that's, I, I'm not expecting an answer, but that's just the question in my heart, is how do I, how do I stay? And how do I keep, keep and stay? Wow, you bring up a lot of things for me. Um, first of all, I want to say it was their loss. <laughs> And Jaina, I know pieces of you. And uh, you are so our gang here in this community. We're so grateful for you. And um, as you were talking, one of the things that came up for me is why did the shepherd not take the 99 with him to find the one? Is that a possibility? Could we actually... <laughs> 
Could we actually do things together? One of the things that I love about this community so very much is that we're not big, we're not huge. We actually get to know one another, and that's such a gift. Could we actually go together? You have something else you want to say? Well, it's, uh, maybe it's just what does love demand in the moment? So yeah, Pastor Danny will always say, what is the most loving thing here right now? He goes for the one because that's what love's requiring. And he can actually leave the 99. He, he knows that the 99 are okay without him. So, I mean, there's a million ways you can look at it. but Frank, I know you have something, but I'm going to go to Josie next because she's had her hand up several times. So I think sometimes the sheep leaving can represent relationships getting ruined. Is it okay if I say something else? I guess that depends upon what it is. <laughs> I'm going to trust you to judge that. Okay. I just want to say that um, this community is a welcoming place to all genders, and I think that it's going to be good that some of us are marching in the pride parade with the church. Thank you. I think what's interesting with these parables is that you can often put them together and make hybrids to make maybe more sense out of them. What I've always felt about the parable of leaving the 99 to find the one is the 99 have each other. That's a community that, un, not unlike this community, we can lean on each other. And maybe there is one person who's an outlier that needs that attention, but the 99 do have each other. And then the other thing that I've always, so you have the parable of the prodigal son who like goes off into the world realizes his mistake and then has this long arduous journey back to his father and then you have the parable of the 99 where now you've got the shepherd actually out doing the searching and what I've always been grateful for with God's forgiveness which is ultimately what we're talking about the repentance and the forgiveness that comes with it is it, do, it isn't a long arduous journey the moment you realize you need to repent, you turn around and God is there. He's right there. You don't have to make this long, arduous journey. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think if you put the two of those together, you get a better picture of like what repentance and forgiveness is like. Some of the commentators say that these three uh, little parables, these two short ones and then the prodigal son, they're actually right in the middle. They're the pinnacle of what Jesus wants us to know. He wants us to know that he is God, and that he's always looking for us. With that, I, I found it interesting. My question was, why isn't the fear of the shepherd of the being spoken about? 
like the woman who lost the coin. Like when we lose things, there's fear attached to that. And, we, and even in the community, we start to, I, I found it interesting that the fear wasn't talked about in community, but the celebration in community was. Because when we lose things, we put posters up. We tell our friends, hey, I lost this. Like, help me find this. Help me find this. But the shepherd and the woman, God, man, God, woman, had the entire ability alone. It was their job to find the lost. And it was our job to celebrate the found. And sometimes we try to, I think, put ourselves in the position of the person whose job it is to find the lost. That's not my job. My job is to celebrate and rejoice with those who are found. And so I just kind of connected that. When you asked me earlier, what do I trust God to be found? Everything. That's his job. And not mine, right? And I kind of keep taking myself out of that space and let God have the space that he's supposed to have instead of me. So, yay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And we get to, along with a psalmist, lament and cry out to God and say, how long, O Lord? How long? but we still trust that he knows what's lost. He knows what's missing. Uh, do we have a question back there, or are you guys just pushing buttons? Hey, Barb. Awesome. Um, I have many thoughts, but I'll keep it short. Um, Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> sure. Team player. So I think it's important to ask why he told the parable. So a couple yes. sentences, right? Context. So now the tax collectors and sinners... We're all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them? I see it as a story of worthiness, right? When we pass the person, we're like, no, I'm better than them. Why would you save them? I think it's totally challenged the heart position and how we look at people and cutting straight there. I think there's so much we could say about the parable. But I think it's important to say, why did he say it when he said it? And they were challenging this idea of sinners, that they just weren't worthy to be part of the 99, right, part of the fold. They certainly is, were not worthy to sit at the table. Right, exactly. So I think, it's, I think it's cutting through the heart of kind of the worthiness in our heart position towards people and, and how we place worthiness on them. But only God does that. We're all worthy. Yeah, that's, um, I agree with everything that you just said, and that really segues for me back to the parable that I talked about last week, the unjust judge who is not God, who is us, who we judge, who we see as worthy, who we invite to our table, who we decide can have the place of honor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Kim, are you saying that we have another question? <gasps> okay, go, Olivia. I had a short question. Um, is there ever a point where that person needs to stop seeking out that thing that they've lost, that it's ending up hurting that person, or when do we know when to keep going or when to stop? Yeah, that actually reminds me of something that I personally lost. I lost relationship with my oldest son. I didn't choose it. He walked away. And I know where he is. <laughs> but I can't find him because he, does, he refuses to be found. How long will I keep looking for him? I love him. I don't think I'll ever stop. I don't think I'll ever stop looking for him. I don't think God ever stops looking for us. 
So I think if it's a true loss, we keep on looking. And um, we get to, as communities, celebrate communion together, and we're going to be doing that. We're going to transition into communion right now, and um, we've been doing something uh, differently. If you're new to us or you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks, we have reintroduced bitter herbs to our communion repertoire. Um, and the bitter herbs really represent um, the bitterness of sin and death that is all around us. That may be living inside of you right now in all kinds of crazy metaphorical ways, or maybe not. Maybe right now it's celebration that lives inside of you. And um, while we're going to ask you to take some of this parsley and dip it in the salt water and taste what taste the bitterness, then we invite you to come forward to celebrate together with this community at our table. We invite you because each and every one of you are welcome here. And we wouldn't be the same without you. And um, yeah, and as you taste the bread and the wine or the matzah and the grape juice, um, yeah, may you taste and see that the God who searches for you and for your losses in so many different guises will never give up on you. And he will, he will keep searching until he finds you. And uh, I think that I've, even now, am only partially found. I always say I'm a work in progress. There's still parts of me that need to be found by God. There's still a lot of redemption that can happen inside this old body of mine. Um, so yeah, may we anticipate that God's goodness is even bigger than we ever thought possible.